The Sunday Grill with Crane and Crane Insurance. To compare motor and home insurance quotes across multiple different insurers, see craneandcrane.ie. Well, I don't know about you, but I have spent lockdown mostly cooking, thinking about what I'm going to cook and eating my finished products. And my next guest has been helping me along the way. Emma Martin is a southeast woman. She's from County Waterford and she is behind the blog Emma's Cottage Kitchen. And you have to try her buttermilk chicken tenders. I am seriously thinking of purchasing a deep fat fryer because of them. As well as recipes, Emma is passionate about getting the message about body positivity and fat neutrality out there. And Emma is talking to me this morning on the Sunday Grill. You're very Welcome, Emma. Thanks, Orla. It's lovely to be on. And thank you for gifting me the joy of your chicken buttermilk tenders. I, as I said, I am seriously thinking of buying a deep fat fryer so that I can have them weekly. (laughs) That is absolutely my pleasure. Believe me, (laughs) they're very popular. They really are. And you don't need a deep fat fryer either. A nice, a good deep pan and a bit of oil will do you. Well, true. That is true. It was just a bit fiddly for me. You say on your blog that you took a long time perfecting that recipe. Is that you? Does that sum up you that you like to perfect those recipes? I do. Yeah, I do. I like to perfect them. But I'm still, I mean, even ones that I put up, I still tweak here and there. And I'm very much use what you have. You know, don't go running out just because um, a post or a recipe might say, oregano or something there's Mm. always something there to to substitute and even if there isn't just throw in what you have you know yeah that's interesting because I don't think I'm a natural chef so I do try and stick to the recipes and if I don't have the garlic salt or the oregano I do panic a little bit oh yeah I can understand that I think when you're not when I think when you're not used to it it's 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 easy to kind of get anxiety about it or not anxiety maybe just um a little shaky about it so you would prefer to stick to the recipe but there's always yeah. alternatives good good to hear now your recipes that you have up on your instagram are everything and fabulous from and really doable <laughs> as well i'm talking beer battered fish and chips no need bread sticky chicken wings kinder brownies how did this all start for you where did your passion for food come from um, I think it came from home, to be honest. My dad was a chef. Um, he used to be a chef. My brother used to be a chef. My mom grew up on a farm and um, food was always a big thing in our house. And I think it came from that, but it was a bit delayed because I was a fussy eater when I lived at home. Okay. I, would, I would only eat chicken. I still love chicken, but that's all I'd eat when I was living at home for the dinner. No matter what was going, my nose would be up. <laughs> it had to be chicken. Had to be chicken every day. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but you've moved on from that, obviously. I've moved on. I've moved on, yeah. When I moved out at 20, I started cooking for myself. And I started getting a little bit more adventurous, trying different things. And yeah, I'll eat pretty much anything now. And I like all foods, really. <laughs> and did you realise you just had a natural flair for it then, for cooking and for recipes? Kind of, yeah, I suppose. Like, I used to ring my dad and say, how do you roast a chunk of beef? Or, you know, I'd mm. be asking for advice on different things. And then I started, the more I did it, the more confident I became with it. And I started taking photos of my food and sharing them and giving recipes here and there. And, yeah, the blog kind of grew out with that then a couple of years back. And it's going well. It is. I'm really happy with how it's going now. It's lovely. I get nice messages from people and... It's lovely that people find it doable because I don't like anything complicated in the kitchen. And then do you have, I know, like, obviously we haven't been to restaurants. I've had the odd takeaway over the last, what, eight weeks now. But Hmm. it is just constant cooking in our house. And it means that you're having to plan. Do you, is that how you work or do you just have fallback recipes now? Um, A little bit of both, I think. I do like to have a plan because I don't really like wasting food so Mm. I would like to have a bit of a plan of what we're going to have but you know there's no harm in going with what you're feeling like either and um yeah I just I kind of go with the flow I suppose and do you have a recipe from your blog that you just always always will use (laughs) yeah the buttermilk chicken the buttermilk fried chicken is is definitely definitely a weekly occurrence in our house. <laughs> mm-hmm. They are good. They really are. And what about dessert wise? Are you more a sweet or savoury girl? 
Oh, I'm definitely more of a savoury girl, but for some reason, I've actually noticed most of my blog posts are sweet. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> but I'm more of a savoury person. But yeah, I do. I like my desserts. I like banoffee and things mm, like that. I like fruity yeah. desserts more than anything. Oh, yeah, me too. I do love a good banoffee or a lemon meringue pie as well. So. Oh, yes. Mm, yeah. Yum. <laughs> Now, the other thing that you talk a lot about on your Instagram stories and Instagram and that you've written about on your blog is um, what we call fat phobia or body neutrality. What does that mean to you? Um, OK, so body neutrality, I suppose to look at how it came about for me, I am a fat woman. I'm OK with it now. I wasn't okay. always OK with it. Um, that's a hard thing to say, Emma. That is a. Do you think that that that's a hard sentence to say out loud? It is. It can be. It can mm. be. I'm. That's where the neutrality comes into it, and body neutrality and fat neutrality. Um, I think it's a very loaded word. I think because mm. people could have heard it used in insulting ways over the years, and mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of connotations attached to it, a lot of assumptions attached to it. Um. So, yeah, it can be, but I think in finding the neutrality for yourself, you become more comfortable with it. I have mm-hmm. anyway. I don't mind saying it. I don't. It's not a nasty word. It's, it's whatever it means to the person. So for me, mm. it's a descriptor. Do you know, it's not it's not anything bad. It's just a descriptor. It's one mm. element of who I am as a person. Yes, it's not it's not all it's of not you. Everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But how have you found people's take on fat phobia and dieting throughout this lockdown. I know there's a lot of talk of these memes and the have you seen this Mona Lisa photo that's going around of a photo of Mona Lisa over eight weeks and by the eight weeks yeah. she looks terrible and is visibly put on weight. And, you know, we laugh at those. But at the same time, it puts a huge amount of pressure on people who may have um, issues with eating and binging. Yeah, absolutely. It does. I think we're under enough pressure at the moment with things. I think it's a huge, huge thing, this COVID-19 situation and lockdown. It's a huge thing to process and it goes a lot deeper and a lot more, a lot more to the bone than people realise. And Mm. people are under enough pressure. Do you know, people can use food to soothe themselves. There's nothing wrong with that. If they do, they do don't make assumptions I suppose about people and um look, if if people put on a few pounds they put on a few pounds it's not the end of the world but talking about assumptions what do you think about that assumption that if you're fat you're not healthy that is a hugely widely believed assumption about mm. fat people um number one if like no matter what someone's body size no matter what their appearance no matter what they weigh how they are perceived you cannot make an assumption of health mm-hmm. on anyone's looks you just can't and it's not it's nobody's business to be honest mm. Do you know it's that's another thing it's nobody's business what mm-hmm. um what level of health somebody is at but body size is not an indicator of health it's just not it's proven scientifically there is a lot of studies backing this up. There's a lot of literature um, out there at the moment. You know, it's it's something that's really coming to light at the moment. Now, I'm not a medical professional. I am going on my own experience. I'm going on some experiences of my friends, of my peers. But it's not an indicator of health. Mm. Um, you've decided to write a blog post about your own experience. What made you decide to write this? Um, I suppose the more I shared on social media, on my Instagram particularly, the more I shared and the more passionate I became about it and reading other people's stories, I felt, I suppose, people have sent me some of their stories, they've sent me some of their questions and I just said, I'd like to put it all in one post, I suppose, and even though I can't fit it all in it, I can just give my take on it and my experience of it. Okay. And as you said, people are coming to you and talking to you. And I think that's the really important thing about anything that you feel you have some sort of community around you that feels the way that you do. Oh, absolutely. And one of the biggest catalysts for that was unfollowing anything on social media that I felt was 
um, it's detrimental to my own mental health around it and my own opinion of myself and comparison and um, I suppose healing with it. Great. Well, you can see that blog post on your blog. It's emmascottagekitchen.com. And that's exactly what you search for on Instagram as well. Um, I will be making your chicken tenders again this weekend, I think. <laughs> that's good to hear. <laughs> I will as well. <laughs> good stuff. I will tag you on Instagram when I do it. Emma, thank you so much for talking to me this morning. No problem, Orla. Thanks for having me on. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Well, Network Waterford has been busy throughout this crisis providing ongoing training and support to members online. Vice President of Network Ireland is Ashling O'Neill and she joins me on the phone this morning. Hello. Hi, Orla. How are you? Thanks so much for having me on. Oh, no hassle at all. How are you getting on? Yeah, really, really good. Um, I'm so excited to talk to you and all your listeners about all that we've been doing with Network Ireland um, since this lockdown started. Um, so naturally, we've had to bring a lot of activities online. Um, so that has been a learning curve um, and one that our, our members of Network uh, Ireland have really embraced. So like across the southeast region, we have three branches of Network Ireland. So mm-hmm. there's Network Ireland Kilkenny, there's Network Tipperary and Network Waterford, um, which I reopened there in 2017 and has gone from strength to strength since. Um, a, a real benefit of Network is that you are always permitted with your membership to attend other branch events. But, you know, like it can be hard to get from Waterford to Dublin mm. for an event of, of an evening, you know, and as much as you might be interested in attending. So it's actually been such a wonderful opportunity for our national membership to get to know each other. Of course. Um, you know, because it, it becomes a lot easier to attend an event in Network Cork or Network mm. Wicklow when, when it's just a, a click of a Zoom link um, and you're in. So it, it's been wonderful to see the way that the branches have responded and the variety of training and social activities. So we've had some uh, yoga by Zoom. We've had margaritas and music in Network nice. Cork and... It's just been super. And I always think when we think of these sort of business networks, I think of really highbrow businesses, but that's not what it's about. It could be anything from a cottage industry to someone who has many employees. Absolutely. And it's also open to to employees as well. So it's not just for business owners. So really, it's a great opportunity for people to come together for various aspects of personal and professional development. So as much as we've had those lovely social events together, we've also done presentation skills when presenting by video now. You know, we had Clodagh Walsh from Speakeasy Communications did that session with us. And it was so valuable to see, well, A, the way that she was able to pivot her offering so quickly um, to prepare us for this this new kind of normal that we find ourselves in. Um, And like that, to give people those extra skills that they need to present well when presenting on the likes of a Zoom call or a Teams call okay. um, or something like that. So, yeah, so really practical um, professional development as well as that personal engagement too. So tomorrow is uh, a, a change in what's been happening for a number of businesses, mostly outdoors businesses. Is there a feeling that things are getting back to normal or people are starting to work again among the network? Yeah, so, I mean, many of our members have pivoted the way that they do their work. You know, like we've seen a lot of people go online that maybe weren't online before or people who maybe had a minimal online presence are changing that. Um, Certainly, the narrative is moving now to uh, returning to work. And as you know, last weekend, we had that return to work safely protocol published. So we're working with our members to um, develop their return to work plans um, and also we've got a really good event happening on Friday in Network Waterford but again it's open to all network branch members um, like that planning for business recovery. So we've got Alan Ryan from AIB, we've got Jackie Gold from the local enterprise office, we've got a HR specialist, we've got an accountant. So basically they're going to look at all of the financial and HR aspects that need to be considered as we kind of get ready to go back to work and all of the different things. I mean, the the way that we have consumed products and the way that we've consumed services is going to change. You know, the way that we engage with restaurants and pubs and hairdressers and, you know, all, all sorts is going to change and, mm-hmm. and it's it's just to really prepare ourselves for that and reach out to the network and make sure that you're um, getting that support from us as well. And what is the general feeling? Is it a bit of trepidation, excitement? What do you get from your members? 
about going back yes, or about, going about back. where they are? Um, you know what? I've been really impressed with the resilience that our members have shown. Mm. And like at, at each step along this, you know, I mean, it's kind of hard to believe that, that we've, we're over nine weeks at home now, you know. Um, and, and I think people have adjusted along the way. You know, naturally, there's been times where there has been huge anxiety and then other times where it's like, you know what, we're going to figure this out mm. and we'll, we'll be able to get through the other side. The other side might just look a little bit different than what we came from. But it's it's amazing to see the way that people have adapted and are continuing to adapt to the um, requirements. Like we, we we need to do this to keep to keep our country safe mm. or, or as safe as can be. Mm, and ticking over at the same time. Exactly, getting that balance. Exactly. Well, people still can join Network Ireland if they want to. Um, you are ongoing, as you said, and most things are online and you're organising monthly events as you always did. You know what, Orla? It's funny. We're actually doing more events now Brilliant. than we did before because we're kind of making sure that we have a social event and a kind of a training event in each month in each branch. So you'll find that actually this is probably the most valuable time you could ever be a member because there are so many different things that you could be going to each week. Okay, good stuff. Well, if people want to have a look at what Network Ireland is doing, and as you said, there's a number of branches in the southeast, but that website is networkireland.ie. Ashling O'Neill, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Thank you, Orla. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Well, another day and another challenge, and this is one for the pet lover out there. The Paw for Waw Challenge campaign kicked off on Friday, and to tell us all about it is the Waw section of Paw for Waw. That is Andrew Quinn from Waterford Animal Welfare, and he's on the phone this morning. Good to talk to you again, Andrew. It is nice to talk to you again, Orla. How are things going in the world of animal welfare during lockdown? Uh, well, there's no lockdown with us. Okay. Uh, we're ex- Extremely busy. We are very, very busy uh, at the moment, Orla. It, it's, in it's what just, way? It's been... In a different way than usual? It, it, yes, more so. Yeah, it's um, we're doing a hell of a lot of these. Um, we, we always provided a free um, pet to vet service for anybody that can't get their animal to a vet. Mm-hmm. But more so now than ever, uh, where there's a demand on it because there's a lot of people out there. Are, uh, self-isolating, cocooning, or for any other reason, you know, the vulnerable can't get their pets to vets, and we're we're not we won't say inundated. We're delighted. We're we're, we're receiving at least three calls a day great. for help. And it's great yeah. to know that people know that your service is there in Washford and it's and and around Washford to help. Yeah, yeah. We, well, we, our area that we we covered Watford City, Watford County. And we also encroach into South Kilkenny because it's so close to the city. Mm. And if necessary, we go further afield, which we've done, and you know we do quite a lot. Okay. But uh, it's to see the faces, on particularly those that are uh, stuck in their houses, and can't, to see the relief in their faces, to have the animal go to the vet, have it treated, and have it coming back is is fantastic. Because I presume you know? for a lot of people, that animal is their only company at the moment. This is it, and 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 that's why again. We we're out to find and there's a huge demand from people for pets as well, which is you know you have to be careful. You know we don't want to encourage people to be getting pets just because we're in lockdown, and then when we're not in lockdown, then what happens? Yeah. So you know so but uh, yeah, pets. Uh, we, we find that the pets, particularly with the people that are in isolation, are, are in some cases their only source of uh, company. Yeah, true. Yeah. Have you picked up any unusual pets to bring on your free vet trips? Uh, not unusual, but some cranky ones. <laughs> they're not appreciative of uh, putting them in the big cage and bringing them to the vet. I think they you know. know they're going to the vets, don't they? <laughs> they do. There's, there's one particular dog, and he was happy out with us, and the minute he touched the time he came the surgery, that was it. You know, he just dug in the <laughs> He was back. <laughs> in. Back yeah, with the doctor. It. Now, Totem, which is a branding agency in Dungarvan in West Waterford, have offered their services to Waterford Animal Welfare for free. That must be a great coup for you. We're, we're delighted that they picked us. They, they, they rang us and they said to us that they were uh, nominating a, um, a charity and they decided to pick us. And we're, we're over the moon because the staff down there and the, the management, Colin and Norla, or Orn, are just fantastic with the ideas that they're coming up for us. So what type of stuff have they asked you to do to tell them what you do at Waterford Animal Welfare? 
they put me outside my comfort zone. I had to do a, I had to do a twenty second uh, uh, video. Okay. Uh, which it only it only it only took forty five attempts, but anyway, we got there. And, uh, like yeah, a dating so, agency, Andrew. That's what it's like. <laughs> or less, yeah. You know, but they're they're very good. They've come up with fantastic ideas for us, uh, new branding logos and things like that. They've changed our um, our logo slightly to make it a bit more soft. They've incorporated a heart into the paw, you know, and it, it's just fantastic with the ideas that they're throwing at us. Okay, no. brilliant. And sometimes when you're so close to something, it's hard to see what a charity needs, isn't it? It is, yeah, it is. Um, but, I mean, the, the, the one thing we all need, all charities need, is funding. And as you know, we're uh, we're on the midst of this COVID-19, mm. and it's it just had a detrimental effect on, not on, our, on, our, on our funding. It's just practically non-existent. Because you had no. a charity shop, of course, on the quay in Waterford, and like all those types of shops, that's had to close. Yeah. Was that one of your main sources of income for the charity? It, it was. It, the shop does very, very well for us, and it was our main source of income. Now, hopefully, you know, it will reopen in the next couple of months or so. But uh, because of its closure, it's put a huge pressure on our finances. Yeah, of course. So one of the things, as well as making you do 30 second videos of yourself, Andrew, that Totem (laughs) have come up with is the Paw for War Challenge. Tell us a little bit about this. Yeah, so Paw for War is they're encouraging our our supporters to go onto our Facebook and Instagram and send a photograph of their pet to us and then nominate four people to do the same thing and donate four euros to a GoFundMe campaign. Okay. And it's as simple as that. It, 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 it's a lovely idea, and I think it's a great way of generating revenue as well. Okay, so you know? a picture of you and your beloved pet, and you hashtag Paw for Wall, and then you nominate yeah. four friends as well, and then you donate four euro. And donate four euros, and then your friends will do the same thing. So nominate four friends, and they'll do, hopefully do the same thing. Because we have, we have, in fairness, and we have a lot good supporters out there you know and this is where Totem have come in they've they've honed in and we're we're not you know on our um, this is what we should have been doing in the past you know so this is one of the, the first good ideas that they've come up with Brilliant. Well, as we said, the hashtag is Paw for Wall and you're being asked to donate four euro, which will go to Waterford Animal Welfare. If you want to check out what Waterford Animal Welfare and Andrew are doing, the website is waterfordanimalwelfare.com or you can search for them on Facebook as well. Andrew, stay safe out there. I know you're traveling around a lot helping people, so stay safe yourself and I'm sure we'll talk to you again soon. If I could just mention one before I go, Mm. anybody that's listening there, if they are concerned about um, their animals and need uh, help to get to the vets, that uh, they can log on to our Facebook and get all the details. But our phone number is 87 Okay, good stuff. So that is the phone number. And as you said, you can log on to Facebook as well. And you, as usual, it was lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much, Aura. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. One of my next guests this morning became a familiar face on our television after Christmas and is now busy leading a virtual choir or choirs even through COVID-19 while also helping to raise funds for an eight-year-old who has had major surgery. You'll know Shane Farrell as he was a leader on Operation Transformation this year. It feels like about three years ago at this stage, Shane. And he joins me this morning to talk us through being the choir master to to over 2,000 singers. And Rosanna Ruan is also on the phone. She's mum to eight-year-old Saoirse and she's on the phone from Crumlin Hospital to talk to us about Saoirse today. You're both very welcome to the Sunday Grill. Thank you very much, Arla. Thanks very much. Now, Shane, we might start with you. Um, it's good to talk to you. I, I presume Operation Transformation does feel about three years ago to you at this stage. So much has changed. Yeah, it does, I suppose. But I suppose also then you probably saw the extra episode that went out there a few weeks ago, Operation Transformation Keeping Well Apart. So I was on the episode last week. So, um, yeah, um, it's been a some experience, uh, but uh, yeah. it's, it has saved my life, literally, you know. I'd say so. And how have things been for you at lockdown? Of course, you're a teacher, so that's had to stop. Are you in a routine at this stage? Yeah, well, do you know what? Thank God for OT because my food, my, if it wasn't for OT, my food plan all over the place right now. At least now, I'm still on my food routine. I'm still having my workout routine going on. The, ch- the challenge is we have four kids at home. We're both teaching secondary school. 
So mm. we're both taking turns. Who can teach when and take the kids and vice versa. So it's it's tough going, you know. Yeah, it's a big juggle. Mm. So you have all that going on. And then she decided to be the choir master for a choir of over 2000. How did that all happen? Well, I suppose, you know, music is my life, you know, and I love working with musical societies and choirs and whatnot. And then when the shut the lockdown came, it was like, oh, God, we can't do any of this. And it taught me for a week or two, literally think what was ahead. So then I, I, I toyed with the idea of doing an online choir just to see what would happen. Um, and then we got 100, 500, 1,000 members and now 2,500. So it's, it's been mental. So we rehearse on Zoom Monday and Thursday nights and they get a okay. project each week to go and practice with tracks that I make and they send me on their recordings and then I mix them. And then every Saturday on our Facebook page, we we release our weekly projects. So that's great. It's at least it's something it's really to work towards, you know. Well, yeah, really. And we, I suppose we saw an operation transformation. You're a man who likes to keep busy. And that is a real version of being very, very busy, juggling the four kids, work and now doing this as well. But you seem to thrive on that sort of thing. I do. I, 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 I like being busy. I love working with people. Hence why I'm involved in groups and why I love my, my real job, I should say, my, as a teacher in secondary school. But, um, you know, I, I was slagging, I was talking to Dr. Eddie Murphy the other week, you know, all the abuse he gave me about slowing down. Well, I didn't think he turned me to go into lockdown completely, you know. So, <laughs> it's full circle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and tell me, how did you hear of Saoirse Ruan's story? Uh, so we, we said we'd do something. I don't charge a fee for this online choir. So it's all, you know, mm. I, I, for my love music. So I said, let's do something for for a charity or for some good cause, you know. And then I found um, Saoirse's story online. And as I read the story, I went through and I said, that girl looks so familiar. And before I even re- realised, I saw in her bio that she loved music and singing. And straight away, I was like, oh, she has me. And lo and behold, Saoirse was actually a member of my stage school a couple of years ago. Ah, OK. Um, so when I triggered that, I was like, oh, this is a no brainer, you know. So that's what all came about. Okay. Good stuff. Now, you've decided to record an Andrew Lloyd Webber and Gary Barlow song called Sing. Mm-hmm. Why that song in particular? Um, I think, you know, the, the words now, it's all about singing. It's all about, you know, um, get out there, just keep singing. And it's true. Singing and music is the best medicine, you know. And um, the video, the original has loads of kids, it has adults, it has musicians. And that's what it's all about. So this started off as a small thing with the adults and then I got the kids involved and then I got musicians involved so it turned out to be a massive a massive sing project so um I just think it's a beautiful song full stop you know I, yeah it's gorgeous yeah let's have a quick listen to your version before we talk to Rosanna Saoirse's mum That is just some of Sing. How many people are involved in that whole production, Shane? Uh, I think it was five sixty in total in that one. Um, yeah. How so many? Sorry, five. Five hundred and sixty. Yeah. Five hundred and sixty people involved in that one production. Yes, it was a yeah, wow. it was incredible. It was a bit of a headache a trying of to mix all that because <laughs> I'm not, so. I am not a, anyway into mixing or IT. So I've <laughs> been pulling out my hair trying to align all these tracks, but no, it came it came out much better than I thought. You know. Wow, fair play to you. And Saoirse's mum, of course, is on the phone as well. I presume Saoirse has heard the song, Rosanna. Yes, she has. Um, Saoirse has heard the song and Saoirse actually features in the song as well. Oh, she fun. sings the very last line of the song. Um, she's, um, yeah, she's, she's quite musical anyway and has a little singing voice. So, yeah, she uh, she reckons she's a little star now, so she does. Which she is. <laughs> Tell us a little yeah. bit about Saoirse because it's, you know, it's... It's only December that you got her diagnosis. Tell us how this all came about for you. 
That's right, um, Orla. It was um, just, I'd say, more or less the last day in November when everything kind of kicked off that we brought her to her GP and she was referred for an X-ray. Um, initially, it was thought that she had a broken bone um, and she was sent home on a cast and crutches and um, a lot of tears over that because, you know, she was going to be on crutches for the Christmas. Mm. Um, yeah, so we hadn't foreseen that, but we were relieved at the same time that it wasn't anything more serious. Mm-hmm. And then within two days, everything changed when we received a call from orthopedics to come into UHG and in Galway and um, for more tests because they wanted to rule out some abnormalities that they were looking at on her X-ray. So um, after a day of tests and an MRI and a meeting with the team, um, yeah, it was kind of suggested to us that what they were looking at was either an infection or a tumour and um, they were very proactive. They had us up in Crumlin within uh, 48 hours with a biopsy done and our worst fears were confirmed that she actually indeed had a tumour. Um, uh, osteosarcoma, which is a cancer of the bone, and it's a very rare it's a very rare cancer in children. And there would be three children in Ireland every year that would be diagnosed with this. Um, and unfortunately, as you may know, then, for Saoirse, um, because of where the tumour was located on her tibia, uh, the majority of patients would be able to have the tumour removed by lymph-bearing surgery, but unfortunately for Saoirse, it was in a really tricky area, so she had to have her right leg amputated. What a um, shock. And how, like, yeah. so diagnosis in December, and when did the amputation have to have to happen then? That happened on the 18th of March. We hit up for Dublin on Paddy's night, and she had the surgery on the morning of the 18th. Oh, and so lockdown as well, heading into social distancing. It must have been such a yeah. stressful time for you. It was. It was a very, very gloomy, gloomy, worrying, stressful time. That was just myself and my husband, Ali, and Saoirse in Dublin. And even uh, 24 hours after her surgery, they even had to come to us and ask us to separate that we couldn't be together with Saoirse. So that was there's a lot of emotions involved. Um, one of us would be allowed to stay with her and the other one would have to go back to accommodation, which all the communal areas had been shut down. So it was literally just go back to your room and then we'd kind of do a shift of a couple of hours and we'd swap cases. Um, but yeah, so yeah, so COVID-19 was was, um, yeah. was, was hard. Yeah. yeah. And how was Saoirse during all this time? Um, you know what, Saoirse is great. She she has an unbelievable strength about her, and she really she really is. She's a very positive outlook. Initially, of course, when you tell someone that they're going to lose their leg, there was a lot of upset, a lot of tears, and a lot of anger. Um, but she she you know over time, over a few weeks, given her time to digest it, she turned it into a positive that you know if she was getting rid of her leg, she was getting rid of the tumor, and that had to be a good thing. Um, you know, and she is hopeful and she does talk about the things she wants to return to and um, please God, when she starts getting um, rehab for prosthetics, um, that's kind of the journey that we'll be looking towards mm. for her. And is that what you're hoping that these funds that are being raised for Sing for Saoirse will do to help? Yeah, we really are because um, prosthetics alone um, cost a lot of money and um our goal on the GoFundMe is 160000 It's a lot of money. Mm. Um, and that will just kit her out in prosthetics up until she turns 18. Of course. And that's just prosthetics alone. Um, so outside of that, we're trying to do a bit of fundraising as well for, um, you know, work around the house. Um, at the moment, like, she can't go in and out the driveway because it's just gravel with her wheelchair. And, you know, when she has a prosthetics and she wants to go back cycling her bike and that, she's going to need... Um, Ground, proper ground surface and mm. a few alterations to be made in the house and that for her. Okay. And, and yeah. you're still in hospital at the moment, Saoirse is still in hospital. So we, we come up and down um, we've been up this is our third week in a row to come up for chemo and um, what she does is kind of four chemos in six weeks and then kind of, you know that's the way the cycle kind of goes so she'll come up and she she will be on chemo for um, 48 to 72 hours um, while she's admitted as a patient running through her during the night, during the day. And um, she gets home for a few days to recover before she comes back up for the same thing again. So, um, yeah, so we're actually here in Crumlin at the moment. Um, yeah, so. Tough going for you all. And hopefully there is an end in sight for you. 
please God, yeah, she will go on chemo now for the rest of the year and she has to recommence with rehab when her wound is ready her where she had the surgery. And um it's gonna be a, you know, it's gonna be a long year for her. Um we just have to be positive that at the end of it all that it will be all have been worth it and that yeah, you know, please God she'll make a full recovery. Yeah, fingers crossed for her and for you as well and all your family too. Um the song is gorgeous sing for Saoirse, yeah. so congratulations to all of you for that. Um, Shane, I'm sure that Saoirse, especially since you've realised you've known her, that her story has really resonated with you too. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm a father myself and, you know, love of music. I mean, it just was a perfect um, person to do for. And sure, her smile alone would melt your heart, you know. So um, so get out there and let's sing for Saoirse. So, and and just yeah. make a donation if you can, you know. Lovely. Well, people can check out um, the Sing for Saoirse on your Facebook page, which is Virtual Voices with Shane. And I'll say that again. People know what Facebook is called. And of course, there is a GoFundMe page. It is Support Our Saoirse, if you want to check that out. Rosanna, say a big hello to Saoirse for us this morning. I will. I will. Thank you so much, Orla. I will, it's of course. lovely to talk to you both. And I'm I'm hope that everything goes well over the year for, for everyone. And you will get back to stage school, Shane, and that Saoirse will be there too. I hope so. And can I say a big shout out to, we have a big gang from um, the Deja Singers in Dungaran. So make it out to you all and thank you for taking part. Brilliant. So a big contingency from all across Ireland taking Absolutely. part in those virtual voices. Thanks, Shane, for talking to me. And Not thanks up. a million to you too as well, Rosanna. Thank you. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Well, if you are among the thousands of people missing out on wedding days, birthday parties and other events, a Kilkenny company has come up with a novel way to get the party feel starting tomorrow, uh, May 18th. They're just over a year in business. It is called Adora Bell Glamping and Debbie Cogley is the owner of that company and she's on the phone this morning. How are you, Debbie? I'm good, thanks, Orda. How are you? Great. How are things in Kilkenny for the last two months for you? Yeah, fine. Just like everyone else, just um, batten down the hatches and enjoy the slower pace of life for a while. Are you city-bound or country-bound? I sometimes think that people who are based in the countryside are doing better than I am. Yeah, yeah, we're not too bad. We're about 12 kilometres out from from town, so uh, the best of both worlds, really. You know, we have a bit of space around us, but need to pop into town. We're not too far away either. That's great to hear. Now, Adorabelle is just over a year in business, and it's a business that you really embraced, um, taking on, I think, the authenticness of glamping and bell tents. Tell us a little bit about what you decided to do. Yeah, really, that was it. You know, it was, as far as I know, there's not really anybody else doing this in the country um, at the moment. So we t- we decided, we took the kids away on a little trip glamping a couple of years ago and mm. just really enjoyed it and decided then to, to kind of get our own tent. And the idea just evolved from there in terms of turning it in from a, a an enjoyable family thing to um, a business idea. Um, and I think a lot of people have probably, as, as kids, camped out in the garden and mm-hmm. done all that. So it's, it's extending that idea, but with glamping. So, so what kind of a uh, tent we, did you get as a family then? We bought one of these bell tents. This was after we'd experienced glamping ourselves, which we'd never had done before mm. prior to this. And um, we stayed in a lovely bell tent. And we were just really surprised at how cosy and spacious and everything it was. Um, and yeah, we decided that, you know, let's let's get one and see how we can go. The kids are still small, so it was great excitement for them. And um, yeah, it was just, you know, just evolved the idea then about being able to do this with you know for other people and setting up in people's gardens um, and just making it all lovely and cozy and you know as a business now we supply all the beds and the bedding and all the nice touches that make it glamping rather than camping and you really and, uh, did embrace this as well I see on your Instagram you traveled um, to the Sahara you bought materials from there well, look, you know, business and pleasure. <laughs> I like your style. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we went, myself and my friend, we went to Morocco. And, um, yeah, that I mean that was another level altogether. But uh, just going, yeah, just going, getting nice little bits for the tents as well. So, you know, it was a win-win from my point of view, having yeah. a little holiday and, right. you know, getting what was needed. So then, of course, lockdown came. And for businesses like you, that means lockdown, seriously. There is no way people could get back together but from tomorrow, some things can change. So I'm sure you're looking forward to this time tomorrow. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, kind of chomping at the bit, really, with the great weather and not being able to do anything for yeah. so long has been a bit um, a bit frustrating. But yeah, from tomorrow, um, you know, we're lucky from a point of view that we need no social interaction with people when we set up these tents. You know, as long as there's side access, all our conversations are kind of over the phone and prior to, you know, um, on online and stuff like that, prior to the data set up. So when people contact us and book, um, or everything's kind of been organized in advance. And then we'll come through, we'll use the side access to the building, to the to your garden and set up. Um, and we basically leave it with you for the allocated amount of time. Everything's there ready to go. And then, you know, we arrange then when we're coming back to take it all down. So there's all the social distancing there. And we've got our COVID-19 policy in place in terms of all the cleaning of the tents and all the equipment and everything like that. So it really is the best that we can make it in this circumstance and it gives people what I think is it feels like you're having a night away but you're still actually still only in your garden and have people told you what they would like to use your service for is it people who are missing out on certain events because of the pandemic yeah, I've had loads of conversations with people who've obviously had their holidays are cancelled this year. Obviously, there was loads of communions have been cancelled this year. And my, I mean, my bookings were already fully booked for May prior to this all happening. So of that course. all had to get cancelled. And um, But people are, you know, they're missing out. Birthdays are how do you celebrate a birthday at the moment when kids can't have their friends around and things like that. So it's all very family-centric. Um, we're only setting up for same households at the moment. Um, but still, it gives people something different to do, um, you know, just eases the boredom a little bit of, you know, the same four walls and everything like that. Um, and really, there's no limit to why people are, you know, using the tents. But yeah, there's an awful lot of people that have missed out or are missing out on things this year. And it's just something different to, to offer people, really. So paint a picture for us. You go into the house and you set up the tent. And for people who don't really know what a glamping or a bell tent looks like, are they, can they be open-ended on one side so you're or are they fully covered over so ours yes yeah, so they're round um bell tents they're quite simple structures but they're surprisingly spacious inside so you've got this triangular door and then the rest of it is kind of I maybe mean, people call them teepees but they're not really mm. teepees but they're similar to that kind of thing. Um, so you've got the, the main door that you go through, and then it's just a lovely, cosy space inside. Um, there's a mesh door, the two doors. So there's um, you can either have it totally closed or you can just have the main door open, tied back, and then have the mesh door closed if you just want a bit of air to come through. Um, but uh, Or you can have it fully sealed, whichever you like. Um, and, yeah, I mean, like with ours, we set up the beds, maximum six beds in our tent, and um, have all the bedding and fairy lights and rugs and, you know, um, nice nail touches like that. And so it's really, um, it's really as nice as we can make it in a, in a tent, really. And before lockdown, before all this happened, what, what sort of people were using your service? Um, because it's, it's a small number in a way. So what were you doing? Hen parties? What kind of stuff were you doing? Yeah, we just started this year. We had um, we were actually working with Malzards in Stonyford, um, and we were going to be offering a few hen parties, you know, to avail of both our services in the one place. Oh, and um, yeah, and that was really that was really looking popular, and people were really interested in that. And we had obviously we had to cancel all of these because this isn't something can operate at the moment. Mm. Um, but um, you know, prior, I mean, last year being the first year in operation, it, and it was such a new thing, people were really, you know, oh, what's this? And it was, you, you know, it, it took, an, it didn't take long to get the ball rolling because people were interested in it. But a lot of birthdays, just really, there's no limit to why people were after this. Um, a lot of 18th, 21st, 40th, 50th, any, any time that people wanted to put people up in their house um, for an occasion, but didn't maybe have room inside their house, you know, I could put one of these tents and have people still stay, but not in the house and, you know, have it all nice for them outside. But like you said, hen parties, kids, younger kids' birthday parties, just family groups, friends at the end of the school year having a get together. Um, any reason, really, there, yeah, there really wasn't um, a, a limit to it. Um, so, yeah, that's good stuff. That's well, back to work tomorrow for you, Debbie. 
Absolutely. Raring to go. (laughs) Well, it sounds like you will be busy from tomorrow. As you said, you're focusing mainly on families and people in the same household to fit in with those COVID-19 rules. But uh, you are giving people an alternative to what they have been missing while staying safe. If people want to get more details on Adora Bell Glamping, that Instagram is simply Adora Bell Glamping and you are based in Kilkenny. Debbie, thank you so much for talking to me this morning. Thanks, Orla. Thank you. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Finally, this morning, we have to, of course, talk television with our Donal from the Orty Guide. We're talking Marty in a shed, Hector uh, as well. I haven't heard the name Hector in a long time. And some gardening. Wow. Mm. I think you're also going to be talking about something that I have read as a book, Little Fires Everywhere. Is that a Oh, Celeste? brilliant. That's great because you, you beat me in that one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Little Fires Everywhere. It's published about uh, 2017, yeah. Yes. Right. It was a best-selling book, yeah. Celeste NG. NG, yes. Yeah, I don't pronounce that name, but Celeste NG, yeah. Now, is this Marty in the Shed? Last week we were talking about Marty and Bernard O'Shea out and about doing their thing This is totally again. different. This is, well, <laughs> well... It's, yeah, the roundabout. Now he's actually in the shed. Is he? Shed, it's the baby. same Marty. It's not Marty, Marty Whelan. It's not it's Marty. It's Marty Marcy, yeah. It's Marty okay. Marty in the shed. But actually, the reason I'm doing this is because of Hector is also got it in the shed. What? Yes. They're not together, though. It's not, no, no, they're not together. Marty in the shed is uh, starting today streaming live. Okay. Streaming, no, that's four episodes of Marty in the shed on the west coast of Clare uh, with a, a cardboard cutout of Marty in the background and he talks to people in the first like each Sunday they're going to release four episodes of this right so the first episode is he's talking to Chris O'Dowd who's in LA at home in LA with okay. his dog uh, Potato yeah. and uh, so he's talking with him and he's talking about you know can't wait to get back home and his Irish neighbours in LA and the usual and he also has uh, Oliver Callan there in his shed I'd actually in his shed on his, on his computer screen okay. and the Kilfenori Kelly band so some going to be pretty, pretty crowded shed but then, what I find is very mad is actually, every now, if, listen, all right, go out and get yourself a garden shed, because if you do, you get yourself a TV series. Because yeah. what happens on Thursday, you have Hector on show, which means, as you know, Hector in a shed. No, no, it doesn't actually. It means Hector is here. Okay. <laughs> it means Hector is here. Well, actually, Hector is here in a shed. Yes. And he's got guests like uh, Michael Healy Ray, Grona Shoga, um, uh, Gavin James, the singer, and they're all coming in to a shed in Galway. Did so they not like have a little meeting? Like is TG It's Cahar like Shed Wars, isn't it? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. I'm really Imagine. intrigued by Marty Morrissey. Like he really has moved along in his career from being a sportscaster. I think he woke up one day and thought, I want to do something a bit different. And wow, did he embrace that. He sure did. Exactly. He's doing his, Marty, I think, you know, Marty's doing just about anything. He's man, man, man of all, yeah. man for all seasons. And he's got quite man the personality, you see, so it really yeah, works. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Yes, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, he gets away with a lot of things. Yeah, so this is on the RT player. player. That's where you're going to find Marty in the shed. But you Marty will in find the shed. Hector on show on TG Cahar on Thursday. In a shed. In a shed. Yeah, TG Cahar yes. Thursday at 9.30. Yeah. Yeah. So if you like pe- watching people in sheds, talking to other people not in sheds or maybe in sheds. Yeah, there you go. Be How many times you. can you say sheds? That is on Thursday at 9.30 on TG Cahar. Now, kind of associated with sheds are gardens. and super- I love the way you did that because I was going to do that as well. Oh, yes. there you go. There you go, yeah. Um, Supergarden obviously um, ended when it came on every season with um, a beautiful festival in the Phoenix Park called mm. Bloom. Bloom. Yes, indeed. That is not happening this year, obviously. That's correct, along yeah. With lots of other stuff. Um, yeah. But we still so- have Supergarden. Yeah, we still have Supergarden. Well, actually, when Supergarden was filmed earlier this year... Um, the bloom was still happening, obviously. Of uh, course. The, the pandemic hadn't happened yet. Um, the thing about this series, I watched the first couple of episodes of this new season. Um, it's different. I don't know if you ever watched Super Garden before, but this one is different insofar as previously, super, the gardens would be all over the country, but now they're all in the same housing estate, a social housing estate in North County Dublin. So oh, very good. the gardeners are kind of next to each other, and also they actually help each other out to a degree. But they're still in competition because the big prize is you get to, to compete with your garden in bloom. So it won't be bloom this year, obviously. Uh, but hopefully Bloom 2021. So the winning garden will go to Bloom 2021. Okay. Um, and it's quite funny because I've watched in the episode, like you'd have this, this one gardener and there's a guy, the other gardener, competing gardener, is looking over the wall going, oh, your garden, I did. that. So basically all these comments <laughs> over the wall, which you couldn't have obviously in the previous garden, you know. But they've got, they have three weeks to basically complete the garden. And oh my God, it's like, this is a garden from scratch. I don't know if you garden, Orla, but no, not some of these all, gardens are just know. like barren canvas so they have to work on, which is quite interesting. Interesting, actually. Yes. And also about this current season, which I quite like, is the homeowners. It's all about the homeowners. So 
the people living in the in the houses get to tell their story and you know and there are all different stories which is quite nice as well actually okay and yeah. i always forget the premise of it it isn't about homeowners doing the gardens it's experts coming in to yes well give the their five take on it would be or want to be or yeah who are obviously have a, may, may or may not usually have a horticultural background yeah. and they come in and they talk to the gardener and sort of talk to the house owner and get their spin on what would like in the garden and then okay. they give them a design and then they get stuck in and they got Three weeks to come build the garden, to complete it from scratch. Wow. So, yes. And uh, this year as well, actually, this season, you know, previously it was a half hour episode, now they're one hour long. Okay. All right. Yeah. And you know, it's quite good. I'm not into gardening at all. I just think I just have concrete if I owned a house. Uh, <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> it'd be beautiful. Painted concrete, maybe pink. Um, but I'm really intrigued by what they can do and how they section off all different areas. It's not just. I bet there'll be a few sheds in there, Orla. I'd say so, don't Maybe. <laughs> That's yep. what we all need these Potential days. future TV career. Yeah, Clue Shed and Garden. Yeah. yeah, all the influencers have it. Super Garden, 8pm or T1 on Thursday. Then, of course, as we said earlier, to binge. It is yet another book that I've read. I am, if you don't know by now, a bit of a ferocious reader. I, I think I go through about 50 to 60 books a year. Um, this one is little, and the only problem with that, Donald, is I can never really remember the premise of these books when they start being adapted for television. This one I do, though, it's Little Fires Everywhere and it's on Amazon Prime from May 22nd which is Friday yeah it's an eight part, eight part series yeah which you can binge on um, yeah so you know the premise um, I it, do it, it, it opens with you probably know it opens with um, a, a woman called Elena Richardson mm-hmm. played by Reese Witherspoon and she's like the super mom in this kind of well-heeled neighbourhood called Shaker Heights in Ohio and she's the queen bee she runs a local book club she's got a perfect life seemingly four teenage kids good job big house shiny SUV mm-hmm. and she's sitting on the lawn of her big lovely house which is burning to the ground because someone has maliciously set fire to her house very and very big little lies very 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 big little fire lies everywhere Isn't it? exactly yes. and of course Reese Witherspoon was in that as well which uh-huh. had the same sort of um, you know successful motivated competitive mums mm-hmm. you know and all secrets and lies in the background um, so the thing is who would want to burn Elaine Richardson's uh, uh, Reese Witherspoon's house down so the, the story then backtracks four months earlier and uh, this character comes on the scene with her yes. daughter um, she's daughter. played by Kerry Washington okay, great. exactly and she's got some secrets and something odd going on there so there yeah there you go great I'm really looking forward to this the more you, you can't put a price on a mother's love that's okay. not me that's actually the tagline that's the tagline uh, but you, can you put a price on a mother's love I don't know maybe okay. you can well, I, no we shall find out <laughs> <laughs> this was a great book I really enjoyed it oh did you uh, yeah a little bit like normal people not the most you know lot, not lots of crescendos and things like mm. that but you know very much a look on real life so. And you might be aware from the book that the key differences, there are, there are a number of differences between the book and the, and the adaptation. Okay. But the key one is the fact that actually the central character, as, as in Reese Witherspoon plays Elaine Richardson, who's a white woman, but in the book they didn't specify the race of the characters, but in the movie, obviously, Kerry Washington's character, who's the, the kind of the curious mom, mom, person mm. she meets from, she's obviously a black woman, so there's, there's a race element going on through this okay. as well, actually, which wasn't in the book. Okay. Of, Adds another dimension. Okay, interesting. I will definitely mm. be... Well, will I be watching that? It's on Amazon Prime. You can get a trial, can't you? You can. You can get a free trial with everything. I just watch it for Little Fires Everywhere. Let's do like. that. Uh, that's on Friday. Amazon Prime, Little Fires Everywhere and very, very bingeable. And if it's anything like the book, it will be bingeable. Um, Super Garden then 8pm or one on Thursday. And then we have Marty Morrissey. He is taking over the airways and he is in the shed on the RT player on Sunday and then Hector is also in a shed and he is Hector on show. I'd totally forgotten about Hector Donald to tell you the truth. Um, he is on TG Carter from Thursday at 9.30. Remember Hector was so big in the noughties? He was huge. Mm. I mean, he was. The man was here, there, everywhere. I mean, everywhere. he was everywhere. He was like... Um, that's like a Louis Theroux combined with, I don't know, various <laughs> other things. That's a massive compliment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of other things, but I can't think of them. <laughs> we shall leave it at that. Leave it there. Thank that, that, you very much. Talk to you next week. Thanks, Sarah. <laughs> the Sunday Grill with Crane and Crane Insurance. To compare motor and home insurance quotes across multiple different insurers, see craneandcrane.ie.